You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Indians is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selections, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I thought for today's show we could do something that is draft focused because we are sitting here. Uh, this will come out a, a week before the draft. This will come out on Wednesday. Seven days from that will be the draft. So I thought, what better time than to review last year's draft? Let's go through the piece, the pieces. Let's go through the players who they drafted. Hopefully, who will be important pieces of the Indians' future. Talk about a year later how they are looking. Now we haven't had a minor league season this year, so that does make the evaluation difficult. But we did have, you know, most of them played in the minors last year, so that does gives off give us some round for. Evaluation. I also want to throw in a name to know for the draft this year, someone who could go to the Indians. So I'm going to start off with that. This is your name to know for the Cleveland Indians in the draft. And before I get into it, uh, to get to this player, I had to click over to Trey Harris, who uh, I just want to take a second and talk about. If you are a fan of college baseball, you might remember Trey Harris from his time at Missouri. And he is one of those mind-boggling guys to me. Now, he was not good as a freshman or sophomore. I saw him as a junior, and he was awesome at Missouri. That was the team that had Tanner Houck, who would go on to be a first-round pick. Cameron Meisner was a sophomore. I mean, they had a a lot of uh, players. I'm trying to think. They had uh, Robbie Glendinning, who was an Australian player who was on there, who would go on to be a day-two pick. It it was a a very talented squad. Uh, TJ Sakima, who was... uh, First-round pick of the Yankees. Like I said, a lot of pieces. But offensively, outside of Meisner, Harris stood out, and he goes undrafted, which blew my mind, and then goes back for his senior year and plays even better, like dominates the SEC, and falls to the 32nd round as a draft-eligible senior who signs for 10K. Uh, so he, it's, you know, if you could have taken him as your senior sign in the ninth or 10th round, that would have been awesome. I, I still don't understand what happened here. And I bring this up because I was using him to navigate because I knew he had played with him with uh, the player that I'll talk about in a second. And I was like, oh, wow, look at that. Trey Harris is already up to double A and in 41 games held his own after uh, dominating a ball, played across three levels a year ago and uh, outfielder undersized, 5'10", 219. And it just kind of goes to show that uh, we still sometimes scout the body more than the player. And that was the case definitely here. And I just, I couldn't get past that. I was like, man, we uh, as much as times change, they stay the same when it comes to uh, to scouting and uh, players and the like. The guy I wanted to mention is Ian Bedell. And I realize I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, the Indians have a long history of drafting guys from Iowa. He is from Davenport very well in the Cape Cod League. We know that is important to the Indians. And if you've been listening to me, you know, well, what about his age? Well, he's 20 years old, and he will not turn 21 until the 5th of September, making him young for the class. Check those boxes. Pitched in a state that has some cold weather. Check. Cape performance. Check. Young for the class. Check. Uh, Is he slightly undersized? Check. Okay, it is all there. And Bledel, or Bedell, I should say, uh, probably is an even better pick for the Indians because I think he's another one of those guys, like when I talked about Cameron Majinski from South Carolina, Uh, his stock probably peaked in the summer. Uh, This year he came out and he was not sustaining his velocity. Um, Bedell had been his first two years a reliever, and he'd been an effective reliever. You look at, uh, I mean, ERA is an imperfect science, but last year as a closer for them, a 1.56 ERA, uh, 
eight strikeouts per nine, 2.689 walks per nine. And that's the other thing, a very low walk per nine. This year, he only had four starts. The home run rate was way up because he gave up five home runs and four starts. So that's definitely an issue for him. But so was the strikeout rate. That was up to almost 13. So uh, a name to know, and I'll put it this way. I don't think he gets past the third round. If he is still in the third round, I would be shocked if the Indians didn't pull the trigger. So there is a name to know. Very good chance. Uh, Interesting. I don't know. They have scouting grades on Baseball Cube now. I was just looking at his numbers. Uh, 55 fastball, 55 curveball, 50 cutter, 55 change, 50 control. I don't know where those come from. Uh, But interesting stuff. And again, he's been mostly a reliever. Looked really good in the Cape. Um, I'm trying to think of the other pitcher who was on that Cape team with him. I want to look up who's another name to know for the Indians uh, from Missouri. But, uh, you know, it, he kind of, it backed up a bit on him, and he just didn't maintain what he had started with. Connor Ash was the other kid who I was trying to think about who led the Cape in strikeouts. Uh, a junior, five foot eleven, right-handed, so undersized junior who uh, missed a ton of bats. Uh, in the Cape and has very little experience starting. So Connor Ash, Ian Bedell, keep those guys in mind for the draft. Kind of a twofer because they are teammates. Uh, similar mold is undersized right-handers. He is from Michigan originally, so you got all those parts. The only difference is uh, is Ash's walk rate is over four and a half this year, which is his best. So that doesn't quite match up with the rest, but uh, there's enough between those two players. I could see either of them ending up with the Indians. So let's talk about the draft from a year ago. First pick, Daniel Espino, right-handed pitcher, originally from Panama, uh, and he, he was taken out of Georgia Premier Academy in Streetsboro, Georgia. The Indians do Love Georgia. Uh, it's hard to blame him. It's one of the top states when you get down to prep talent. Uh, Ethan Hankins, Georgia as well, correct? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No one's correcting me, and uh, I know I'm not wrong in this case. So we do know that's back-to-back years. High pick from Georgia. Maybe we should be looking at a prep talent from Georgia with the Indians' first-round pick, huh? Uh, Jordan Walker, anyone? Keep that in the back of your mind. But uh, Espino, I've talked about my concerns. I've talked about team's concerns. I've talked about all of that. But let's just get down to it. Uh, He pitched in Arizona and then went up to Mahoning Valley to pitch in the New York Penn League, which is a mix of talent. College guys, high school guys, high school guys from the previous year's class, Latin American kids who are getting pushed up the system. It's it's a whole big mix. Now, it's only 23 innings, definition of short sample size. But he did, I think, what you kind of expected from him, which was a walk rate a little under 4 and a strikeout rate almost 13. And, I mean, that's the thing with Espino. Like, I... It was not the pick I would have made, and I was very honest with that, but I understood the pick 100% because everything there is just dynamite. You know, it is, he is the definition of plus. There's a huge amount of risk. There's a huge amount of volatility. Uh, you know, there's some grading scales over the years I've seen. I remember Hockey's Future, and um, I know the mad thinker out there will correct me and say that he's told me there's a baseball site that does this as well now, but I can't think what it is. Uh, but it's, you know... Uh, when the hockey's future site when it existed it'd give like a one through ten and an a to e and it's like espino would be like a nine f like he's got potential to be a an a starter front of the line guy but his volatility is at the extreme end of things and that's that's what you're going for i don't think anything he has done has changed anyone's perspective on him i think the indians are probably still happy with him they have no uh no regrets with espino what we have gained though from looking at this is Georgia, two years in a row, top of the draft with prep talent. One of our sponsors today is Built Bar, and I've talked about them often. They are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 
low in sugar, low in fats, high in your fiber and your protein. Uh, they come in a wide range of delicious flavors. I am personally uh, enjoy the toffee almond and the banana. I haven't tried the peanut butter banana, which was one of their limited ones, but their chocolate banana and their uh, chocolate orange cream. Those are ones I would recommend checking out. If you want to check out this fantastic product, one I use daily, you go over to BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com, and you're going to use the promo code Locked On to get 10% off your order. And they're always doing new flavors. They're always doing new deals. So check back often. You can often sometimes use multiple deals at once and get a really nice deal. So you want to go and check out Built Bar from time to time just to see what they have going on on the site because you never know the fantastic deal you will find on what is just a fantastically taste, fantastic tasting protein bar. Our other sponsor today is Rock Auto. Now, they're our title sponsor, and this is the new one, which is awesome, awesome, awesome for us. And we want to talk about that it is rockauto.com, and that is a website that you want to go to because with Rock Auto, like, I don't, I'm not a car guy. I'll be very honest about this. But when I was talking to uh, someone who was a car guy on the site, they're like, no, I like this place. And while I may not be a car guy, what I am is a deal guy. And Rock Auto is one of those great things where they cut out the middleman. So if you need a piece, like they have an example in here, it was a fuel pump for a Honda Odyssey. Uh, if you went to Advance, that would cost you $353.99. Rock Auto's price $216.79. So they have a huge selection at rockauto.com. You can find all sorts of pieces and parts for your car, and you're going to find the best prices, the best deals out there. You're cutting out the middleman. You're going to them directly. Um, it's not a chain store, and you know their prices are always the same for everyone, and they're reliably low. So you want to go to rockauto.com. Anytime you need a piece for your car, uh, if you're able to take your piece to the mechanic, sometimes you can do that, and that is always a better deal uh, for your money. I've done that before where I've bought a piece and taken to the mechanic and had them install it. So if you are having a problem with your car, go to Rock Auto, compare prices, use this as a tool because we all know cars are so expensive. They're needed, but they're very expensive. And when pieces start breaking, if you're like me who doesn't know cars, uh, when the mechanic says, well, I can put this in for you, if you have that ability to be like, well, I'm going to get that piece. You know, if you have the ability to save that time, rockauto.com is the place to go. You're going to get a great deal on your car. Look it up, rockauto.com. So, Daniel Espino, uh, safely one of the Indians' top 10 prospects. He is more back-end for me, uh, a guy you really hate having missed time this year. Uh, there was some talk that uh, what could be interesting is an extended Arizona Fall League. I don't know how that will work out, but someone like Daniel Espino is someone you definitely want to get more reps uh, out there pitching. I'm always concerned with pitchers during this time off because if they're just out there throwing but they don't have, like, the Indians are so good at pitcher development. And I'm sure they're sending off stuff while they can and guys can probably ask questions and you could probably send out video back and forth, but they're so good at development. You want them with that hands-on. You want them working one-on-one. That's how Mike Clevenger went from a throw-in to one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, he had natural talent, obviously, but it was being coached up. I mean, he was the year of his breakout. He wasn't even considered like a top five prospect in the Indian system in most places, even after he broke out in the minors. So you want that Indian staff looking at these players, helping someone like Espino. I'm nervous sometimes when these kids are just at home throwing, you know, just throwing, 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 or, you know, lifting, lifting, lifting. And it's especially find out with these pro players, you want very specific plans and approaches. And that's uh, especially with someone like Espino. But let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about second round pick Jordis Valdez from MacArthur High School in Hollywood, Florida. 
uh, originally from Havana, Cuba, so that makes first two picks, both born outside the United States. Switch hitter, six feet, defensive specialist. Uh, let's see, and another one, he was, Espino was, you know, he wasn't particularly young for his class, but uh, Valdez is 18, so on draft day he was 17. He didn't turn 18, and he won't turn 19 until August, so young for his class. Again, something we have talked about. Uh, it was a struggle, it, it, to put it lightly, for him in Arizona uh, the last year. 171 batting, or 179 batting average, 251 on base, 247 slugging, 498 OPS, and that is in 181 plate appearances over 43 games. Uh, reports I heard, you know, the defense was uh, everything that people thought it would be. Uh, I, the fielding percentage numbers aren't, uh, I mean, they had him play a little bit of second base, and that. Uh, didn't go as smoothly as shortstop. He has always been a shortstop. That is what he knows. And, he, you know, there was always concerns with the bat. The de- he was always listed. If you go and you read my scouting report on him, it was just, he is a defensive guy. If he can hit, then you have a regular. If he can't, he can maybe make it as a utility guy. Uh, the Indians paid him a lot of money. Uh, I was a little bit surprised by the cost. We'll have to see. I mean, I think the arrow is pointing down, if we are being honest in this case, but I was not the biggest guy on uh, with him to begin with. Next up, uh, Joe Naranjo, the first baseman out of California. Senator Ruben S. Ayala High School in Chino Hills, uh, in particular, was their third round pick. Six feet tall, so an undersized first baseman. And he just turned 19 in May, which means last year he just turned 18 right before the draft. So again, broken record, right? Young for his class player. First base uh, in the third round is interesting because that's not something the Indians would have done in years past, and it does make me sit there and think about pick 36, Blaze Jordan. I mean, it's if you're if they're okay taking first baseman and they like age, uh, Blaze Jordan's the youngest player in the class. Just going to leave it there. But uh, 48 games, 200 plate appearances, uh, also playing in Arizona, 266 batting average, 345 on base, 333 slugging, 678 OPS. He was more of a hit and on base guy than a power hitter. Uh, kind of reminded me of Ulysses Cantu, who was picked uh, a little bit later, but was still a day two pick. It did not work out for Cantu. I think you're kind of hoping for the the same profile with Naranjo, which is uh, growing into some power, but having present hit and uh, on base skills that eventually could allow him to uh, to be a starter in your lineup down the line. Uh, I would put him as just. You know, he's kind of even. I don't think he's gone up or down. Uh, I, like I said, I think Espino is probably up. Valdez a little bit down. And Naranjo is even. Next player was another big-name guy. Uh, was viewed as a top-three-round talent. The Indians got him in the fourth round because, yeah, because they didn't have their... They traded their comp pick in the uh, Santana deal, so they didn't have any extra picks a year ago. And that's Christian Cairo. Uh, he was actually, if you read the story, he was sitting there with the LSU coach when he got the call from his advisor that he had been picked, and he walked out, and the coach was mad. You can go find the story. It's an interesting one. Another guy who, uh, let's see, he turned 18 a little after the draft, so if you're keeping track at home, the last three players all turned 18 within, a, you know, either after the draft or within a month of the draft, so... Another player is young for his class, uh, played all over the infield. His dad is Miguel Cairo, the uh, the former, I always think of him with the Rays, but played for a lot of teams. Uh, Cairo played, 
multiple positions last year in the minors. Uh, I'm trying to see second, short, and third. He was down there with uh, Jordis Valdez. Uh, and his numbers, 178 batting average, 324 on base, 212 slugging, 536 OPS. I had heard a big bonus, and I can't remember how much he got, but I knew it was a significant amount of money. And uh, he was viewed kind of similar to Valdez, where I would say that like he was the talk on him was he was a utility guy. Uh, that was, he was going to be, you know, best case was he turns into his dad, who was a guy who played for a while in the majors, but was never really someone, if he was starting, you were looking for a starter for the next year. He was there to hold down a position, uh, and you were looking to improve upon it. Another player, I think the arrow is pointing down just because, uh, I mean, Arizona is not a difficult level. Um, there's a, you're playing against guys who are about your age. You're not playing against behemoths or anything like that. Um, a lot of guys go there and just destroy the ball. You know, you see the opposite of what we're seeing here. So when you play that badly, that to me is a red flag concern. So much like with Valdez, I think the arrow is pretty strongly down uh, with Cairo as well. Next guy. This is one of our uh, specials from uh, the Cape, and that's Hunter Gaddis, the right-handed pitcher out of Georgia State. Another Georgia player, just uh, keep that in mind. He turned 22 in April, so he was, you know, he's, I don't know if we want to push back to beginning of April and call that, you know, uh, young for his class, uh, turning 21 towards the end of his junior year. But, I mean, at, for a team like the Indians, they might pay attention to that. Uh, so if I pull out the Cape Cod League, he had five starts. It was over 18 innings, but the numbers were pretty good. Didn't miss a ton of bats. Uh, in college, his final year, the home run rate was high, but he always historically had a low walk rate, right around two, and a strikeout rate over 11. So you're seeing that there. Once he got into the minors, he pitched in, started out in rookie ball, pitched a majority of his innings there, and then went up to Mahoning Valley. And he was good at both levels. Uh, home run rate was high in Arizona, not in Mahoning Valley. Walk rate was really good across both levels, under two when you combine them. Again, this is very, 33 innings, the definition of short sample. Strikeout rate was over 14.5, which is fantastic across those two levels. I would say so far he has the biggest arrow up. I was not a huge Hunter Gaddis guy, I'll be honest. I was like, oh, I guess that works. Like, it's it's in the fifth round, there were just guys I liked more. Um, it wasn't so much a knock on him as much as there were a lot of players I was very high on that were still on the board. But Gaddis pitched well. Uh, he came out and did what you know, you'd know you hope to see a college pitcher do. He was a small school college guy. He was put into the you know the lower minors, not thrown right into Mahoning Valley. We saw some college guys who started in Mahoning Valley and ended in low A. But they took a little bit longer. Now he's 6'6", 212 when he was drafted. He's got room to grow. He's, you know, he's added some velocity. He's missing bats. I think he's probably best as a reliever down the line, just knowing the pitch mix and what's in place. But I think he is one where we see an arrow pointing up high. And let's end today. We'll, uh, we'll continue going through all these picks for fun uh, with Jordan Brown, third baseman slash shortstop from uh, Junipero, Junipero Serra High School in Gardenia, California. California. That is one of the best high schools in the country. Uh, the number of players I see from that program uh, is very high, and he is incredibly young for the class. Did not turn 18 until September. So, seeing when I talk when I talk about the Indians in age, you're, I hope you're you're seeing that right now. 6'3", 185, bats right, throws right. 
he was down with uh, the rest of the guys, the young players in Arizona, and it did not go well for him either. Uh, 123 batting average, 321 on base, 154 slugging, 475 OPS. Uh, 26 games, only 84 plate appearances, so he did not play in as many as the other guys. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's unusual. Like, until these three players, I could not recall another case of seeing some someone struggle this much. Like, typically you see someone like when Bobby Bradley went down there and he, like, nearly won the Triple Crown. Like, guys typically go in and kind of rock Arizona. They don't go in and struggle as hard as these three players did. Uh, we'll have to see. I mean, these are the guys who you really wish they had this time because they need it. It's very clear they need that extra developmental time. Uh, so missing out on a good chunk of the season is is a huge issue with them because they needed development more than anyone else. So I, I, this was a pick that I loved. This was one of my favorite picks uh, just because I thought he had some power potential and, you know, he's a big frame you could easily um, grow into and get stronger. And third base was where I think most of us thought he'd end up and be a potential power-hitting third baseman. Didn't start off well. We'll see where it goes from here. But at this point in time, you're, you're looking at a guy who kind of needs to rebound and rebuild. We will start tomorrow with uh, everyone's favorite, Xavion Curry. Oh, apologize, I can't speak. I got the Xavion right, X-Z-A-V-I-O-N, and then struggled with Curry. Keep wanting to say Curry. But we got through the sixth round today, talking about some of those players. It's a, a class that struggled a bit, if we're being honest. So that's why it's really sad in terms of, I mean, A, those minor leaguers could really use being... Uh, not having to worry about things. It would also be nice if we weren't cutting minor league teams soon. But uh, seventh rounder, we'll talk about more tomorrow. Another Georgia player. Keep that in mind. Again, Indians are very heavy in this state we are seeing over the past few years. So I think uh, Georgia talent is definitely something to remember with the Indians. I hope you enjoyed the look back and the look forward, giving you a potential draft pick and going back and seeing how players have improved over this year in terms of their value. I have been Jeff Ellis. You've been fantastic as always. And remember, go Tribe.